I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. I gotta know, Wayne, did you fire up the smoker for Independence Day? <laughs> no, I didn't. You didn't? Wow. I, uh, I, uh, I smoked a ton of beef. Auntie and, uh, used we... a smoker. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, we, we had, uh, you know, pulled beef sandwiches and, uh, did, did up some, uh, some Texas hot sausage, some real live Elgin hot guts. Um, it was good. It was good. I'm, 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 I'm rather in a beef coma right now. Yeah. We, we just did typical burgers, fries on our burgers and hot dogs on the grill and a bunch of fireworks. Well, I don't have a smoker like you fancy people, but I did make Kahlua pork this week. Ooh, tell me about this Kahlua pork. So I had it at a um, a Filipino place a couple weeks back, um, but it's basically it's only like three ingredients. It's it's the pork itself, like a pork butt. Um, it's Hawaiian red salt and liquid smoke, and you leave it in the crock pot for twenty hours. And flip it over halfway in between. So the house reeked of pork for a couple days after. <laughs> um, but holy crap, was it delicious. So good. Paul, I'm, I'm assuming you could do it in a smoker without the liquid smoke. Just do the Hawaiian salt. Paul. Yes. This may be the very first time in our more than 10 years of friendship that I have ever heard you say that you cooked something. Oh, yeah. I cook all the time. <laughs> I, I believe I believe this to be untrue. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever heard him talk about cooking either. Well, I mean, yeah. it's not exciting. I mean, uh, it's mostly just you know tacos or ribs or I mean, I try to I try to mix it up, and uh -huh. so the, the Kahlua pork was something that intrigued me, and it seemed simple, so I did it, and it was delicious. Now, did Rib, you uh, did you do some Very tiki exciting. beverages with it? Did you do some tiki beverages with it? Duh. Of course. <laughs> of course. Wayne, I'm sorry. Wow. I said ribs are exciting, Paul. Yeah, ribs were, the ribs came out good, too. Yeah, I'm trying to mix it up. I'm trying to trying to branch out my proteins. I have to say I'm I am uh, I'm intrigued by this. You know, it, it's great, you know, that Paul, after, you know, uh, more than 10 years of, of, of sharing so much time together. You continue to surprise me. Yeah, you know, I, 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 try, I try to keep you on your toes. So, uh, you know, uh, July 3rd was uh, the anniversary of yeah. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Big 10, uh, that is our steel anniversary, if you're keeping track. Um, can't help but notice I didn't get a gift, Paul. Just saying. It's in the mail. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it should be a steel action figure. <laughs> All right. I, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, I'm looking okay. for. Okay, yeah, that's what that's what's in the mail. Uh huh. Uh -huh. It, it may have been delayed. Just keep an eye out for it. I'm sure it'll get uh -huh. there. Yeah. <laughs> it might be drop shipping from Amazon and uh, <laughs> set the shipping date for today. But huh? Huh? <laughs> a drone will drop it by later. That's right. He's waiting for a Prime Day sale. Yeah. Oh, speaking yeah. of drones, right? This is actually a good lead-in. Because Spider-Man Far From Home featured a lot of drone action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It may have been far from home, but it wasn't far from drones. Far from drones. <laughs> uh, Very so, true. so the big the big thing we want to talk about this week is that Spider Man Far From Home finally out. Well, not finally. I mean, I don't know that we were eagerly anticipating it, but is out in movie theaters, um, concluding what Marvel is referring to as their Phase Three Infinity Saga, whatever, whatever. Um, features the aftermath aftermath of the blip. As they refer to it in the in the movie, instead of the snap, it's the blip, the people who disappeared for five years, and uh, you know how Peter Parker is is dealing with the the death of Tony Stark and and uh, their European vacation that his class goes on. You know, and I have to say, I was surprised by that. I kind of expected they would just never talk about the five years again, but they owned it and it was right there front and center and major plot points. I don't know that they could ignore it given it's coming out so soon after infinity or um, end game. Well, and I love, you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the movie is that, you know, some people are, you know, were in the blip, others weren't. And so, you know, like they come home and the, the annoying uh, kid is now this really, you know, good looking young man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, yeah, I, I like I, the videos of people popping back in. Oh, where, yeah. Like they're in the middle of a uh, a basketball game and pe- and the band appears back again. Or uh, Aunt May appeared in, you know, they didn't have a video of it, but she just appeared in her apartment where somebody else is living there now. Right. Yeah, well, and the 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 way the student news handled it, you know, because, you know, we get caught up on a lot of what's happened by the in-school student news video cast. And I, I, I find that very amusing. I enjoyed that from uh, the previous Spider-Man movie. I enjoyed it in this one as well. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, what did you think of uh, Spider-Man Far From Home overall? You know, from I before not, we get into details. I did not enjoy it overall. I would agree. Wow. Yeah, I thought I, it was way better than uh, home i thought they did mysterio incredibly and i really liked it i think my problem with the film is that uh number one i i really enjoyed uh, homecoming i i enjoyed homecoming a great deal and <laughs> i'm startled by reviews i keep seeing and it says oh man you know uh the sequel is better than the original and i'm like really um but i a completely lot of- think it is a lot of the movie is, is stacked on the shoulders of the twist on Mysterio, right? And, of course, you know, as, as comic book nerds, we know that Mysterio is a bad guy. And so I, I, I would be surprised if any comic book nerd watched that movie not a- expecting the big turn. So we didn't get to enjoy that surprise. Um, I agree. I thought Mysterio looked great. Uh, this is the first movie I've enjoyed Jake Gyllenhaal in – in gosh, maybe ever. Yeah. I mean, I thought thought Jake Gyllenhaal looked fantastic in the role. Yeah. Uh, what I would have preferred instead of him being Mysterio the whole time, I would have preferred that maybe he had the guise of another hero that maybe we didn't know. Um, and then turns into Mysterio later on yeah. so that I could enjoy that surprise as well, because the whole movie, I'm like, well, when's he going to turn? I appreciate the 616 thing that they, uh, that they talked about. I mean, that was really cool in the movie, but he, I, I, I'm waiting for the turn and then add on to that. 
that Nick Fury never seemed right to me the entire film. Uh, and they explain it at the very end. I was like, oh, okay, that wasn't just me because I'm like, the writing on Nick Fury sucks. You know, there was none of the Nick Fury mystique about him yeah. in, throughout the entire film. He was just a guy. And, you know, they explain it in the, uh, by the way, spoilers, mm -hmm. they explain it in the, uh, in the, uh, you know, end credit scene where it's the, the scroll guy from Captain Marvel. And can I just say for a moment that the makeup on scroll guy from Captain Marvel was terrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it looked on your screen, but it was it, I, one of the things that I was I was amazed by in Captain Marvel is that the scroll makeup was amazing. And in this film, it looked like he was wearing a rubber mask. Well, I will say, you know, that's and he probably was, you know, they, they to, to cut corners since it was just a brief sequence. But I will say um, so I didn't dislike the film, but I thought it was just OK. Uh, but, you know. I totally agree with your point on Mysterio, but the 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 whole thing about the scroll mask looking kind of shitty yeah. feeds into my one of my biggest complaints about Spider-Man: Far From Home, which is honestly the special effects were not good. For me, the green screen was terrible. The whenever Spider-Man was computer generated, he he looked weird. Like he looked, it, it was almost like watching Blade Two. Um, whenever Spider-Man was amazing Spider-Man too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't work for me. Um, you know, when, when they, when, especially when he was in Mysterio's like nightmare, you know, under the influence of Mysterio's illusions, yeah. it, it was, it was a cartoon and it felt like a cartoon. See, I was fine with that because it was part of the illusions. Uh, I didn't have, I haven't had any of the problems that you guys had with it personally. Uh, for, from my perspective, I went in just like you, knowing Mysterio is going to be the bad, bad guy. He's going to turn. But that wasn't a – it wasn't like, like – it didn't feel like it was a give that was I was missing out on. I was just expecting it. My big thing is all of my complaints about – all my complaints about Homecoming, most of them were dealt with in this one. Uh, I complained that Spider-Man couldn't handle himself with regular people. I felt – he was much more competent in this movie. I felt even when, especially when he was fighting Mysterio, he was holding his own and fighting all of these drones. And he's being overwhelmed because there's so many of them. But I never got the feeling that he was incompetent or that he couldn't handle himself. Uh, I mean, they mentioned the spider sense. I hated that they called it the Peter Tingle, but, <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed that it was a thing again. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed I thought, as I always do, the Peter Tingle. <laughs> I really enjoyed how they did Mysterio. I thought the the way they did being, you know, not just a person, but a whole team of people that are pissed off at Stark and how they even show individual moments from throughout the history of the MCU where these people came from. I I got a kick out of that. It, oh, no, I thought that was very was well a done. a good way to handle Mysterio. Yeah, I thought that was very well done. You know, the 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 enemies of Tony Stark, the people who have been wounded by Tony Stark. And I really appreciated, you know, Mysterio's objection to Stark taking his technology and renaming it something, you know, barf. You know, I, I thought that was that was really nicely done. My objection 
comes down to the fact that there's no, even though as as sharp as that is written and, and as lovely as they have incorporated you know what we would call the snap with the film calls the blip into the 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 continuity is fantastic my objection is that I didn't get to enjoy the suspense that other people had. And so maybe this is a movie that's not for me, despite the fact that you would think a Spider-Man movie would be for me. Um, I also, I, I, I don't know if anybody else had this problem, but Tom Holland grew up a lot uh, since the last film. One of the things that I really enjoyed from the previous film was, you know, Tom Holland looked like a teenager. In this film, he looks like a young man, despite the fact that he, you know, is into uh, MJ, played by Zendaya, who I know is, I think, 23 years old. But in the film, she looks like she's 12. And it really creeps me out that, uh, you know, you've got this young man, uh, you know, romantically interested in someone who who seems so much younger than him. Not, yeah, not, not to make I myself creepy. I but, didn't see her as looking that young. Yeah, I thought they were fine. Um, if I did the age difference, if there is one, I'd like it I wasn't noticeable for me. Um, yeah, no, that yeah, didn't. I, it, what bothered me more was uh, Tom Holland's eyebrows. <laughs> they were they were distracting. And if you <laughs> ever see the movie again, now you're going to look for it. I you know I I don't want to say that that the movie's trash. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, I like everybody in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I like most of the writing in the movie. I think a lot of what I object to in the film is the directing. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the humor didn't land, that the timing was off. Um, I feel that, you know, some, you know, of course, you know, the, the element that, that I object to is the Mysterio turn. Um, just in that I didn't get to enjoy that. Um but it, so much of the directing just felt like it was just a second off. The timing was just off in the movie. Uh, I think I, I would have been able to for, forgive the Mysterio element uh, if a lot of the timing had been better. Yeah, you know, I think for me, um, I, I I don't think the talent behind the camera was as strong, either the directing or the writing. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 You know, you make a good point. Like, it seems like it would have been much easier to just have some some fake hero and then the twist be that it's Mysterio. Um, yeah. So or, that we're, or, we're not Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Or that, you know, there, there was some truth to the parallel universe thing, but there's still a twist. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I thought that was so cool, even though I'm like, well, you, you'd think that if he's moving between a realities that they would have shown us some of that, but you know, the audience is, is predisposed to buy into that because so many people have seen into the spider verse. Right. So, I mean, I thought that was a nice trick to play on your audience. I think it could have been executed a little better. Yeah. See, I'm glad they didn't just pick somebody, some other hero. Cause then we'd have a repeat of everyone. You remember all the complaints about uh, star Trek when uh, they brought in Khan, but said it wasn't Khan. Right. I, I think we did see a repeat of that. Well, and, you know, keep in mind, we've done this in the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe with Mandarin, right? You know, we, we got a great Mandarin villain and then all of a sudden find out that he's he's a fake. So, you know, maybe maybe that's why they didn't do that. I just think they needed a better solution for, for those of us who know the character to come in and go, you know, well, we know this is a bad guy. We know he's going to do something bad here, right? So something I didn't like about it was uh, – well, both – 
both liked and didn't like the credit scene, the first one, where uh, he's swinging with MJ, drops her off, and, yeah. and then the video footage is there. First of all, absolutely you know, geeked out to see J.K. Simmons up there playing J. Jonah Jameson again. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I loved the setup of, you know, Spider-Man being seen as a villain by people again, because that's such a classic part of the character that we haven't seen in the MCU. What I didn't like was his identity being revealed. Yeah. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Maybe they can do something with that. But it was like, I'm watching, I'm like all excited about what's going to come next. And then they do the identity reveal to the world. And I was not, that's not a story I want to see. I just wanted to see people starting to hate him. Yeah, I don't know. You know, we obviously they're setting up Spider-Man 3, which hasn't been announced. Um, it feels like that's a, given the the way the reveal happened, it kind of seems like that's an easy fix. Uh, you know, like it's easy to put that back in the box, given that you don't see, you know, in, in Mysterio's reveal there at the end. It's not like you see him in the Spider-Man costume. He just says, Spider-Man's Peter Parker, and he just flashes a regular picture of Peter Parker. Um, and I, I don't know. It just seems like that's easy. That's given Spider-Man's connection to S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury and all that stuff. Um, seems like that was easy enough to fix. But I guess but we'll see. he's never actually really, really met Nick Fury. Well, true. But Nick Fury is <laughs> aware of him, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. It was, uh, you know, for me, I didn't, like I said, I didn't hate the film. I just, I left it feeling like, all right. Like, I don't know why that had to happen two months after Endgame. <laughs> right. No, I, like, I, I feel like that probably would, that, I get the point. Like, it's an epilogue. It's a palate cleanser, whatever. But it wasn't enough for me to feel like, okay, this was a satisfactory epilogue post-Endgame. It feels like this probably could have just waited a freaking year and, you know, and just let Endgame sit a little bit. I was, you know, yeah. I, I, I was fine with it coming out. Uh, you know, I, I like that we've had three Marvel movies in less than seven months. You know, I, I, I think that's kind of cool. Um, I think that we have a, uh, a great big Marvel desert coming up ahead of us, though, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, because what's the next thing? Black Panther 2? They haven't announced what the, well, I think the next thing may be um, Black Widow, but, uh, you know, they haven't announced any release release dates or or anything right. specifically. You know, some stuff is filming. You've got the Marvel TV shows and and things like that coming out. So I think. Yeah, yeah, but they Guardians were saying they the were going to. Yeah, they, and Guardians of the Galaxy three. They were saying they weren't going to officially announce any release dates until after um, Spider Man. That way, you, <laughs> know, you kind of get a sense of what the world is now. And so I'm assuming I would anticipate that um, in the next two weeks, because you know there's this big thing going on in San Diego two weeks from now. Uh, we'll we'll get a, re a release of the new slate uh, for the next year or two. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So uh, before we jump off of this, the final end credit scene, mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, as your as your bladder is fit to burst, uh, you know, you 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 find Nick Fury sunning himself on the beach or so we thought until it pans out and he's, you know, got himself a little holodeck thing going on. Um, I seriously wondered if they were going to make a Tahiti reference. <laughs> I thought so, too. I think they're setting up for sword. That's what it looked like to yeah. me. 
that's what it, that's exactly what it looked look, looked like to me. Uh, you know, we, it, it, it zooms back, and we've got Nick Fury in what appears to be a space station, perhaps mm-hmm. populated with a, a lot of scrolls wandering around. Um, you know, uh, Nick Fury has really embraced the scrolls in his life. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, clearly they're setting up for a secret invasion. Um, as phase, you know, as far as part of the next phase of Marvel movies, mm-hmm. given they, there's a reference to Kree sleeper cells, right? You know, the the scrolls are are out there in orbit of Earth with Nick Fury. Like, I, I think we're dealing with a secret invasion. Um, I think we're going to get ourselves a Kree kill crew at some point. Nah, that's what I think. Right? That's what you want. He's <laughs> exactly right. Need, needs me some of that Kree kill kill crew. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm sorry to hear that you guys didn't enjoy it. Uh, for me, like I said, I, I had a lot of problems with Homecoming, and I have very few problems with uh, Far From Home. I really enjoyed it. It really hit the Spider-Man itch for me. I love that they're doing the whole blip thing. Like, uh, the snap is when they disappear. The blip is when they come back. And I never thought about the consequences of them coming back other than the age. Things like their houses being gone and all of so. Yeah, I got. I really enjoyed it, both as an epilogue, as a standalone Spider-Man movie. It felt more like a Spider-Man movie than the first one did, although there was still way too much Tony Stark, even though he's not actually in the movie. God, the the Whitney Houston uh, <laughs> video montage uh, memorial for uh, Tony Stark at the beginning of the film cracked me up. That was pretty funny. Yeah, that was funny. At first, I'm thinking, what the hell is this? This is ridiculous. And then we get the reveal that it was uh, the school TV yeah. show. It's like, okay, that makes Yeah, when 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 the, uh, you know, Wind Beneath My Wings starts playing, I'm like, this better be an ironic use of this song. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was going to be a Stan Lee tribute when it first started. Yeah. Because it came right after the, uh, the Stan Lee, like, face thing. Right. Uh, I also, for some reason, really like the Ned Betty Brant, you know, summer relationship. Yeah, I don't know why, but I just thought it was cute as hell. Yep. Well, you know, so mixed reviews from from your funny books crew on Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, we'd love to hear from you what you guys thought of it. We're gonna we're gonna give out the IOM hotline now, so you can call in and let us know what you thought. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll want a coveted, valuable ideology of madness surprise. Back to you, Paul. <laughs> well, uh, so we want to talk about a couple comic books this week. A couple of uh, pretty big releases, uh, starting with Lois Lane number 1 from DC Comics, uh, written by Greg Rucka, art by Mike Perkins. This is the first of a 12-issue maxi-series coming out of the Leviathan storyline, but at, at least from my opinion, having not a ton specifically to do with it. Um, so this is, you know, Greg Rucka returning to uh, to to the the noir sensibility type stuff that he did for in Detective Comics, but this time you know lending his voice to Lois Lane, and Aaron, I know you are a huge Greg Rucka fan. The first interview we ever had on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly was was Mr. Rucka, right? That is correct. That is correct. Interviewed him in an alley behind a comic book shop. Exactly. Just yeah. Like as he throat. as he changed. As he chain smoked cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this hit me right between the eyes, Paul. I 
I dug this book from beginning to end. This is hard boiled Lois Lane. Yeah. Uh, and nobody writes that kind of female character better than Greg Rucka does. And I mean, I really dug this. It, there is, you know, there is a soft side to her, you know, in, in, in terms of her relationship with, with Clark, but there's also this hardness to her because, you know, she is all about the truth. She's all about the facts. And I, I just, I really dug it. And I love her inner monologue talking about the, the commonalities between spycraft and investi- investigative journalism. Uh, I, I, this book was fan freaking tastic in my opinion. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I didn't pick it up mostly because I'm not reading any of the Leviathan things. And I thought this was going to basically be a, if, if you don't know what's going on in Leviathan, you'll have no clue. So from that perspective, Aaron, having read it, do you think that it would be something that's approachable for somebody who likes Lois, loves the character, but knows nothing about what's going on with Leviathan? Yeah, I mean, if if this first issue is any indication, you don't need to know what's going on elsewhere in the Superman books. Yeah, this isn't, you know, there's no mention of Leviathan in this book. There's only one brief mention of, you know, Clark confronting Lois on, are you going to tell me what happened with my dad in space? And she says, yeah. in my time, I will. Um, oh, and I love that that exchange between Clark and Lois where, where she said, you know, we keep secrets from each other. You know, our relationship works because we trust each other to know when to share, but we're allowed to we're allowed to keep secrets. And I and I love that exchange. It shows such a high degree of maturity mm-hmm. in their relationship. Yeah, it's it's their their relationship is extremely well written. Um, yeah, you know, it's intimate. It it makes sense. Uh, I it's funny to me because at some point, Lois Lane turned into a bad speller. And I don't know uh-huh. if she's always been that case, but it, it seems like it's been more noticeable. Like you can't that's Margo, get an issue. That's, yeah, that's the Margot Kidder influence. So that's yeah. that's just leaning back to you know the the uh, Christopher Reeves Superman and and Margot Kidder Lois Lane. Yeah, but I thought this book was fantastic, extremely well written. The art is is gorgeous. Um, yeah, yeah. this is. You know, this is a Greg Rucka book through and through. So if you're a fan of his work on The Question or Detective Comics or any of those noir sensibility books. Um, and well, and we didn't even say it. The questions in this book. Yeah, well, I didn't want to spoil it, but book. Aaron spoiled you, it. You, you've got <laughs> Lois Lane. Well, it, it, the cover tells you that the question's going to be in it. I mean, oh, if, you, if, you, if you look at the cover pretty hard, you you know that the question's going to be in the oh, book. Fair, fair. But the you've got Greg Rucka writing the question and Lois Lane. How can you not love this book? Yep. So highly recommend Lois Lane um, issue one. I, I am super on board. I'm super happy with it. And uh, the advanced reviews of the upcoming Matt Fraction, Jimmy Olsen book um, are really positive also. So, you know, th- this Leviathan thing is, is you know, whether regardless. And I, and I picked up the issues of Superman to get caught up on the actual Superman book on the, um, the Rogar Rogers all yeah. Sogar Rawl or Sogar Rawl storyline to Rogalzar. Yeah. yeah, get get caught up on that. Um, so regardless of how you feel about that, whatever Brendis is doing on action comics and the things that are coming out of that, that is damn good stuff. Um, yeah, and I think that's you know that's where his his strong suit has always been more in that arena. Um, but he's brought in some great talent, and I'm excited to see where the storyline goes. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a good book. It's a good book. So uh, we have talked frequently on the show about those, you know, big Walmart comics mm-hmm. that are exclusively available through Walmart, telling uh, news stories uh, that are not that have not previously been published elsewhere, uh, you know, in comic shops, etc. Uh, but we get the first of these from uh, DC Comics in Superman Up in the Sky. Yeah, uh, so before we get into the, the content, I, I you know, th- there's two storylines that I've really been interested in. There's this one, um, Superman Up in the Sky, and then there's a Batman one by Brian Bendis and uh, Nick Darrington. And they're printed, you know, they're, I don't know, like 12, 15-page stories monthly in those Walmart books. And I was excited to hear that they were going to be collected and released in comic shops. I'm not... You know, I can't really look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm a little disappointed that they're releasing them basically two at a time. Right. Instead of just giving me a damn trade paperback. Yeah, um, I expected this to be a big more of the story. Although this, well, the story may be done now, but I know as of the uh, the issue where Lois Lane is killed a whole bunch of times, which I think is seven or eight, mm-hmm. uh, the story was still ongoing in that one because I've read that one. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Aaron. I just wanted to uh, to mention the format of it. Yeah, so uh, we I get to see these these stories for the first time because I I try not to venture into Walmart if I can help it. Uh, I think the first thing to note is that this seems to be wildly outside of continuity. Yes, um, I get that impression as well. Yeah, um, you know, because you're, you're reading it, you know, uh, there are certain markers that you look for to figure out where you are in the continuity. You know, what a Superman suit looks like. Is this New 52? Is it pre-Flashpoint? Is it, you know, uh, post-rebirth? You know, what is this? And it was just really kind of hard to peg that down. Also difficult to, you know, one of the things that I look for is the relationship between Lois and Clark. And uh, also that was a little hard to uh, to pin down because, you know, no reference to John, for, for instance. Yeah. Uh, well, I think part of that is because it's a Walmart book and, and you know, it's intended yeah. to just you can pick it up and you won't necessarily have to have that knowledge of continuity to, to invest in it. Well, and, you know, certainly the depiction of Perry is a lot more iconic yes. than uh, than, you know, current continuity would be. Uh, would, would would suggest anyway so you know we're, we're sort of outside of time <laughs> in 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 terms of our current continuity yep well, um what i compare it to is you remember that series they did a while ago uh i think it was superman unchained where oh, yeah. it was a whole a whole bunch of different creators telling their iconic superman story just you know no continuity necessary just jump in anytime it kind of felt like one of those yeah, no, I would agree. I, I I think you're you're they're writing a Superman story uh, for the masses for folks who typically don't read Superman stories. That said, I enjoyed the artwork a great deal. Um, I I got a kick out of uh, the narrative. Um, beyond that, I'd be curious to know what Paul and Wayne think. <laughs> you know. I, I have read the first part of this before, and you know it. it, it so I, I I had already read that, so that 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 added a, a bit more disappointment when it, I basically only got fifteen additional pages from what I've already read. Um, yeah. I will say the Andy Kubert art is is beautiful, um, especially his his large one page spreads. Um, you know his 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 action sequences are great. Um, you know Superman holding a train that's falling through the train tracks is just a beautifully drawn drawn picture. The story, 
for better or worse, is very Tom King esque. Um, and and I say that to to because I know Aaron is pissed off that the second half of this book took place entirely in Superman's head. <laughs> yeah, um, I do hate that. I actually did. I actually liked the book. Um, you know, did, did it blow my mind? No, but but it, it, you know, the, the story is intriguing enough. So basically, the the plot of this story is that uh, a little girl, her her parents have been murdered, and her sister has has been killed. Um, but before her sister dies, uh, she reveals that her that she had been kidnapped by a spaceman, and so Superman is basically, you know, doing his Sherlock Holmes into space. Um, to track down where this little girl has been kidnapped, um, and because there have been remnants of a Zeta beam, and he can track, you know, and he, so he's trying to find out how he can track those Zeta beam remnants. And I think what we'll see along the way is a lot of, um, you know, cameos. We've already gotten a couple in these first couple of issues. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I think it's, I, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a mystery because I don't know if you know it's good. The reveal is going to be that we know who the who the kidnapper is, but. I, you know, it's certainly an interesting enough story for me to continue, at least for the next issue. And the art is beautiful enough for me to continue. I yeah, the way a... I describe it is, you know, to me, it felt like a popcorn Superman story. Nothing big's going to happen. Nothing special or, you know, but it's just light. It's hard to say light when it's a story about a, you know, kid's family being murdered and all, but. It's just a light, fun story with really good, good art. Uh, one of the things they did do in the art, though, that always uh, gets to me is that there's a scene where Superman is saving a kid who's uh, either getting a dog or a cat. I don't remember which out of the street. But instead of grabbing both the kid and the animal, he stops the semi truck by destroying it and risking the lives of the two people driving it. You know, I always enjoy Superman and space stories, uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to that part of it. You know, and and as you said, Paul, the cameos uh, that will come along with that, because you know, it feels like there'll be some Adam Strange in this book. Yeah, I would uh, think so, know. given the Zeta Beam yeah. stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I would hope that we'd you know maybe see some Omega Men because I always love to see some Omega Men, but uh, probably I, some more Green Lanterns. I would assume. Exactly. Uh, you're definitely. Like, I know you didn't like the inside the head thing with Batman, but you've got more of that coming with with the story, because I know the one issue that I've read was basically all inside of his head. Yeah, I hate that stuff. I really do. I particularly because in this, it, it seemed like an excuse to do a bunch of one pagers, right? Yeah. You know, to, to, to show glimpses of, you know, Superman's previous battles, yada, yada. And I get it. You know, you've got you got a Kubert drawing the book. Of course, you're going to uh, to let him draw. But it, it also seems a little bit, you know, uh, excessive in the way of, of how the how the story unfolds. I just hate that in the head stuff. You give me real stakes. It also I, it's weird to me. And, I, you know, you I, I, you both sort of uh, linked into this. For a book that's going to be a jolly romp through Superman's uh, lore, uh, it is heavy-handed to have so many children die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the book, like, it's one thing to reference them, yeah. but the the child that Superman meets and talks to die. Yeah. So you actually get to see this child and interact with it, and then they kill it. Yeah. That, and, that, that happy fun romp. 
Oh. And and uh, I do enjoy how you're you know depersonalizing it by calling the child it. But uh... <laughs> can you but, tell I'm not a parent? <laughs> but it does seem strange to me that the the child seems in fine health, and then we find out off panel later on from Batman that the kid dies. Yeah. And Batman, who is not above using guilt to uh, you know manipulate Superman to go off on a on a uh, space adventure to go find the other kid, um, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, he he guilts the, he guilts Superman pretty hard, and you know, it, it it amazes me that it's acceptable that yeah, I could be gone for months and months off into space. Uh, that 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 strikes me as almost a I'm going to go walk across America again yeah <laughs> uh, you know to, to be away from your family to be away from the people that you protect um yeah so anyway I, I I'm nitpicking I enjoyed the book I enjoyed the book and now I'm I'm struggling with though do I buy it in single issue format or do I wait for the trade yeah because we've got if it's a 12 issue series I believe it's 12 um you know at five bucks a piece you know that's 60 bucks yeah. but it'll eventually yeah. go on sale so i don't know i'm on the fence but i definitely want to see where the story goes and um so i knowing me i'll probably pick it up i think i'm i'm gonna wait for the trade on it because i got to the end and i wanted the next part of the story yeah uh, i will say i was glad i read this before uh, one of the books we weren't talking about at deceased because it made uh, the jonathan kent scene in deceased have more impact to me. Yeah, you know, Deceased, we didn't talk about it this week because, we, you know, there's only so many times we can tell you the book is freaking great. But it's freaking great. Just pick it up. So, Paul? Yes, sir. What's coming out next week that might also be freaking great? Well, next week, you know, we were talking about Superman Up in the Sky just now. Uh, the other book that I've been talking about, the Brian Bendis, uh, Nick Darrington, Batman Universe. Uh, starts next week. Uh, so Batman Universe number one collects the first two parts of that storyline. Um, following the theft of a priceless Fabergé egg, the Brittler leads the Dark Knight on a wild hunt after its true owner, Ginny Hex, descendant of Jonah Hex. Guest starring Deathstroke, Green Arrow, and dozens of Riddler lookalikes in stories by Brian Bendis with art by Nick Darrington. So that's the that comes out next week. Also, Batman number 74, uh, Event Leviathan number two comes out. Uh, another Brian Bendis uh, book, this one with art by Alex Maleev. We really enjoyed the first issue of that storyline, so looking forward to that. Uh, it's a big Bendis week because he has Superman number 13 coming out as well, starting the new storyline there. That's uh, only because Bendis writes all the books. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and those books that he doesn't write, he brought over people from Marvel to write to the write, other yeah, ones. Exactly. Um, for speaking of Marvel, uh, Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley start their second year of Amazing Spider-Man with Amazing Spider-Man number 25. Um, so hopefully you've saved up your $7.99 for that extra-sized issue. Good God. And also from Marvel, and also expensive, $5.99 from Mark Guggenheim and Dave Wilkins, Wolverine versus Blade Special. Um, I, might, I might flip through the preview pages on that one to see how it looks. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to take a look at the preview pages. But boy, yeah, I was like, oh, another Wolverine book. Oh, Blade, though. Blade, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You bastards at Marvel. Damn you. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Well, that's not it. I'm sure there's a ton of other stuff, and we will talk about it next week on Funny Books. Very exciting. Well, hey, happy anniversary once again. 
and uh, we will catch you catch you next time. You know, for another ten years of funny books with Aaron and Polly and that guy Wayne. Yeah, we're gonna reboot right now. Ten years in. <laughs> catch you later, guys. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.